Sports Page of the World. Welcome to episode 19 of season two. Um, we got what we asked for once again on this podcast. It seems like we are really putting the wheels in motion specifically for the Padres. Uh, and Fernando Tatis came out and apologized this week. So what did you feel about it? Did you like it? Not like it? Do you forgive Fernando Tatis? What do you got? Um. Oh man, I, I, you know, I'm happy that he finally addressed the nation, if you will, um, specifically the sports banter nation. No one else. <laughs> and you know, I, I felt like I don't know. I, I I'm still a little um, hesitant, if you will, with uh, his his apology. Just the way he was talking. I know Tatis talks like that, but just. I don't know. It seemed very monotone, like, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, you know, I know he went and uh, also spoke with the team as well. Um, but, again, I, I'm happy that he apologized to us. I think us as fans, we deserve that. Um, I think, you know, maybe I'm just a little reluctant just based off of all the experiences with the whole scenario, especially, you know, um, now that he's going to have surgery, you know, um, I, I just, again, the whole, the whole thing with Tatis and, and the Padres themselves has been so hush hush. And, and just, it's so amazing how, like I've said in previous episodes, how hush hush they've been able to be with Tatis and, you know, just, it's real interesting. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I think I'm a little hesitant on the apology. I'm happy that it finally came out, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I actually am the opposite of that. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I I thought it came across very sincere. Um, I and I, I as you said, I liked that he finally came out and addressed it, and you could see the, like I said, contrition in his face, and the you could tell that he felt that he is fucked up basically, which is yeah, all I really wanted to see, which is all I wanted to hear. Take some responsibility, right. um, which is what, you know, I was upset about last week just because this big thing comes down and it's like, where are you to answer these questions? Right. Um, and, you know, to some respect, you have to understand, like, we have to understand as fans, if you're, if you're the person in that position, I mean, you know, that's a ton of bricks coming down on your face. So there probably is some time that you have to collect your thoughts and what have you. Not completely letting them off the hook there, but I do understand, like, gathering what you want to say so you can articulate it correctly because you really only right. get that one shot. Um, but, no, look, in that uh, public address, let's say, um, to the fans of the MLB, to Padre fans, I felt like he addressed – every question that was thrown his way um, and basically and took ownership for making a mistake, which really at the end of the day, this is what that is. It's been a year full of mistakes for a young superstar, which, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, isn't that crazy really. It's just kind of one of those things where if you become, you know, the face of a professional sports league, you can either go left or go right. Correct. And, you know, it's it could be as simple as taking the wrong cream and not asking your training staff if it's okay. That could lead to this position of 
fan outrage and what have you. So, um, look, I'm back on the wagon. Wow. Back on the wagon because... Oh, Lord. No, I mean, this is a deal. He's 23 years old. People make mistakes. I don't, I'm okay with the mistake, like I said. I just need you to address that you've made a mistake, and now let's be going forward, learn from that mistake, and not make it a yearly, monthly thing. And That still remains to be seen, but I'm absolutely going to give you a shot. Um, the kid's 23 years old. We have him for 10 more years. Phenomenal baseball player at the end of the day. And the last thing, and, you know, Padres Twitter is, like, maybe the most toxic place in the history of civilization because people are, oh, let's trade Tatis. Oh, really? Like, do you think he won't bat, like, 800 versus us and be a Hall of Famer for somebody else? Right, like, I don't agree with that Pump the brakes. Yeah. Good right. Lord. Because, because a 23-year-old kid made a few mistakes. Granted, like, I'm not okay in the mistakes, but I'm saying you don't just – cut him dry as if none of right. us have made any mistakes in life. Right. That's it's just so asinine for these people that are hiding behind, you know, online personas to blast somebody who's in the public eye when who knows what you're doing in your own life. So I think you gotta put it all in perspective. Um and that's where I'm at. He apologized. There's a long, long road to go. It's not just it's all good, but I'm absolutely I want our fan base to get to a point where Yes, things go bad for us, but or you know players don't live up to expectations like say Hosmer, but we don't need to just be negative toward that that person. If they're trying to get better, if they're trying to learn from their mistakes, then let's assist in the process. Let's not uh, harbor them in any way. Um, and I bring up Hosmer because they play the Red Sox next year in San Diego, and almost undoubtedly he's going to get booed, which I think is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he didn't play well for us, but he chose to come here, and he, he tried. So I'm okay with that. It's like it didn't work out. I don't need to now boo you when you come to the plate, too. That's something that I think a lot of San Diego fans don't understand. It's like you don't have to kick a dude when he's down. We traded him. It's over. Just get over it. So. I'm uh I'm rooting for the Tatis comeback. Long way to go. You know, regarding Hosmer and, and the booing scenario, I it's it's funny you bring that up because I just finished watching, and if if you haven't watched it, here's a little plug on Netflix: the uh, untold story of uh, Malice at the Palace, and it is it it you know it it just puts into perspective, you know, just the fan and athlete relationship and you know just talking about the Hosmer thing and booing them I mean you know I think as fans we have the opportunity to vocalize how we feel but I mean in a sense of like like you said you're a true fan when you know the stages of everything that's happened and with Hosmer he chose to come here hey you know Soto was on the table so (laughs) We got Juan Soto. You know, I, I, I think the way that Hosmer left, um, that may resonate with fans in a sense of, you know, his play was down. Let's just put it that way. But any player's play could be down. I mean, let's put it into perspective. Let's just say it was Fernando Tatis. I, I don't know if that same booing scenario would happen, if you will. Um, so I, I think with, 
you know, Hosmer and his way of leaving. And yeah, I, I, I do expect him to be booed. But as a true fan, personally, myself, I'm not going to boo the guy. I mean, shit, he left. You know, like I said, he tried his hardest. I mean, his hardest for some towards the end could be his worst. And and yeah. it, I don't know. It's just, like you said, it's it's Twitter and, you know, it's it's just you're hiding behind these these scenarios and let's put it this way anytime booing happens in any sports realm if there's 10 people and it gets loud enough the whole stadium's going to start booing so <laughs> yeah it's an interesting way to put it i'm just, i'm saying yes he was a, he wasn't playing well for us and i'm you know i'm the first guy in the group chat to go freaking hosmer grounds out to second base with a guy on second and third yeah right, let's a ball go by him i mean it's just yeah never that's 100% but my assertion to the fans is how you got to understand, like you said, stages of fanhood, understanding what a guy meant to the team. Everybody in that clubhouse loves Cosmer, regardless right. of how we feel about him. He, everybody on the team likes him. Correct. So it almost creates like a separation between like our team and rooting for our team and then like of the player. Because then if we boo Hosmer, then the team's like, well, why are they booing Hos? What's that about? Um, it kind of creates that just like weird dynamic. So I don't know. I just think it's it's a strange thing that our city does, where like if a guy doesn't work out here, then we act like he's you know intentionally trying to do that or or something like that. Right. Obviously, right. the guy wants to be successful. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Baseball is a you know the most fickle game of all time. So I'm not excusing his play. I'm saying we don't have to stoop to that level as a fanhood and then potentially scare off other free agents from coming later on as this is the identity of the city. If you don't play well, then they hate you later on. And I I think a lot of people are just so numbers and wins and loss focused that they don't. And it's like, that's a real guy too, which I'm not going to harp on too much, but I'm just saying, I don't, it's just, it's just unnecessary. Really? It's like the guy, the guy played here for what? four or five years came to this team when no one was around and I almost hate that I'm defending Hosmer but I just know that I know the reaction that's going to come his way and it's unwarranted and other cities that are respected in sports like Chicago Boston you know the big ones New York um like I don't know they don't treat their ex guys that way when they come back so I'd like to get us toward that side where you know, we just we have that type of uh, identity. Well, I mean, when you're saying that, and just a, I guess a difference in fan base. Was it not Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers when they played uh, the Braves? I mean, shit, he had a standing ovation. Exactly. And it, as a fan, I think you know what? Let's let's put it let's put it into this perspective. I think you, as a Cubs fan. And somebody that understands that, and I'm not knocking any, you know, Padre fan of that, but as a Cubs fan, you understand that mentality of, I'll say, of sports and baseball. You know, everybody talks about, like, East Coast fans are completely different. And they are. And I think as myself and you having that, you know, that lineage of Cubs fan in your family, right? You you're around that. You understand that. 
my side of it is like I just love sports so much. Why would I why would I experience that? I love the you know the tradition of of every sport. So yeah, I'm gonna you know if I'm if I was a Braves fan and Freddie Freeman comes in another uniform, dude, you've done so much for my my fan base and my city. Of course, I'm gonna thank you. Um, and I think what kind of what you and I have been saying, you know, our past first and second season of this podcast is we want the Padre fan base to make that shift and into that, hey, you know, like this is our team. We we live and die by their decisions and their play. And we need to support them. We're, you know, when we're good, we're good. When we're bad, we're bad. But, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's the team. That's That's the thing. And, again, everybody says this. San Diego fan base is very fickle. When we're high, we're high. When we're low, we're low. You know, yeah. we're a commuter t- town, if you will. And it, I think that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to, the guy's done great. I'm not going to cheer Hosmer on as he's going up to bat, but I'm, I'm not going to boo him either. I'm just, right. gonna, you know. And we're not, we're not comparing the relevance of Freddie Freeman to the Braves, of Absolutely. Eric Hosmer to the Padres. That's not the point point is the guy want you know he's on the team he wants to be successful if sometimes it doesn't work out there's no reason to go past that because no we, want, we want future guys to come to the city it's like right. let's i don't know if a guy if a guy is just unsuccessful is that the worst thing he did for the team granted like if we got a guy who's you know an asshole and he's t- saying the san diego the city sucks and he hates living here absolutely boo the shit out of him Right. But if Hosmer's worst thing is like he didn't play well, then I mean, come on, what are we talking about? No one's being paid to play bad. No one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not getting signed to play bad. Let's put that yeah, way. there maybe that's a better word for it. And now we're shifting gears to uh, one of the most popular documentaries going out right now. Right, on the Untold series on Netflix. We got Mansai Teo, the girlfriend who didn't exist. Um, as you know, Polar Bear, personally, and for those of our fans that don't know, I am a diehard Notre Dame football fan. Have been, always have been. It's just a Midwest thing that I grew up with. That's my, that's my squad. So, I mean, obviously this hit home for me because I, first of all, uh, being friends, shout out to the Vandys who are even more diehard Notre Dame fans and know everything about the recruits coming in and yada yada yada. So I remember being in high school and Manti Teo was coming to Notre Dame, which apparently he wanted to go to USC, which was just brutal to hear. Right <laughs> on the documentary, and I'm, but I'm I like, knew you, I knew you were gonna hate that. I mean, I get it. Like Southern California, South Bend, Indiana, I get it, man. I get it. But thank God. That God Himself told him to come to Notre Dame, <laughs> right? But that was funny. Um, but no, so he's like the big touted recruit coming in. We were trash, trash with yeah. Charlie Weiss as the coach. So we were on our down years. He was on the come up. Our teams were getting better. He became the main guy, as you see in the documentary. If you remember, if you're a football fan, and then. I was working out. This is literally my Manti Teo story. I was working oh, wow. out, getting ready, because I actually went to the USC Notre Dame game with the Vandys for them to clinch the national championship appearance. Wow. So we won that. 
which, you know, beating USC and LA, never a guaranteed thing, regardless of the record. So that was fantastic. It's like the most glorious year ever. I'm at Cathedral working out. And I think like iPhones had just come out and I got this like ESPN alert uh, about, I didn't even know what to, what to think, what to say. It was like basically the article that they showed, Manti Teo, victim of hoax, expert, girlfriend did not exist. And right. I'm, I was looking at it like, what? What does that even mean? Right. <laughs> and then immediately I go, we are so screwed for the national championship which we get into but anyway um on the actual documentary wow just unbelievable stuff number one i mean <laughs> the uh so this is like before the show catfish before this becomes like a you know pop culture thing where this can happen to you i feel like he's not the first guy but the first like public public figure that this happened to right and to me i mean it's just it's insane the level uh the level to which the catfish went to to make him think that he was talking to you know lene kakua was brutal because the, the way i'm watching the documentary i'm like there's so many times where this catfish could have just broken up with him and got like ended this whole thing and manti teo's life would have been completely different but uh you know it, it, this individual is preying on his emotion and it's just absolutely brutal and you know on his side yeah he was super naive but i mean he's a kid from a small town in hawaii he's expecting the best out of people he's trying to help the person that he's talking to who he's assuming is establishing this connection with him he's talking to him every day um building a relationship building a relationship so i mean it's it's just sad to see what happened to manti right um and the thing that bothered me the most a couple things was when the catfish told him that she was in an accident oh and my she was in a God. Coma. i was thinking about and that then, as you were talking about it and it was crazy because, like, his response is, like, let me step up and, like, be this person for this other person. Like, that was his reaction. Right. So he's on the phone with this person every day thinking he's helping them get out of a coma and get better. Um, also, so to like, that point, like, how deep of a lie are you going oh, down? It's disgusting. That was my That's dude. so disgusting. Dude, the fact that you, you, you sat down and created a scenario where okay they're i'm i'm you know on my deathbed quote unquote and you're telling and like having someone come in and say oh my god like manti when you talk to her that's the most we've seen and then that forces him to call every day i mean and yeah and then playing on his emotion yeah and then didn't what was it? Didn't they say that she had died? Or, oh, no, no. No, worse. Wor- yes, yeah. So, oh my a couple God. things There's here. so much his, going on. His grandma actually died. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm the sorry. the catfish said, or like had a family member say that Lene died on the same day. Right, right. Which, he, which that grief is real. Like, the grief that he went through in that situation is very real. 
um, obviously she didn't turn out to be a real person, but his grandma still died that day. So he's dealing with that. Um, but I thought the worst part actually was later on when he's like a couple of days out from going to the Heisman thing and the catfish calls him again and tells him that she's alive. Live. That was another part or like the part where I'm going, why did you do that? Like, especially before the national championship and all that, like that's like the least amount, but just to, to basically take someone away from right. this, ki- this kid's life. And he made the best of it, uh, you know, became an inspiration to the country just based on how he reacted to it. Right. And then to, after all that, and he's, you know, riding off in the sunset, basically to come, try to come back in his life, I think is just insane. Why would you do that to him? Bonkers. It's just. Especially it, if you care for him. Right. Apparently I, you do. Well, you know, the whole time during this, this whole documentary, you know, when I found out that the, that Manti Teo's catfish was a, a dude on a computer right or his girlfriend quote unquote was a man on a computer and he was being catfished the whole time like and you said it he was just a naive kid from a small town the whole time i'm going you know hey let's see each other you know and that just <laughs> that 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 was really i'll be honest that was one of the hardest things for me while i was watching it was dude why I mean, there were so many signs of just, hey, I can't see you or things like that. But, you know, we've played football and we understand how much time that takes up of your life. Like a phone call is sometimes that's all you're going to get. Right. Right. I mean, I'm at the end of learning all of that and, you know, seeing him, you know, go through the Heisman. Like you said, she's he tells or the catfish tells Manti. I'm alive, like, dude. You are you totally mentally fucked up a person's life. I mean, emotionally, mentally. I'll be honest, physically. I mean, the guy played his ass off for you. And and uh, again, I'm not knocking his grandma passing away, but I mean, I just, it just, I don't know, it just. I don't know. You've stolen so much of someone's life. Mm-hmm. And like, the, I don't know. I didn't feel like there was much remorsefulness out of uh, whatever the individual's name is. I, I, I just, I don't know. I felt, I honestly like just, I felt really bad at the end of it for Manti Teo. And yeah. just, like, you know, you know, him, I think it hit home too, especially for you as a as a diehard uh, Notre Dame fan. But as me and as yourself, as Charger fans, at that age of when Manti got signed, I mean, look at they posted the freaking uh, San Diego Union Tri- Tribune article of Manti walking the beach with his girlfriend, saying, "I think we're gonna like it here." I mean, yeah. that was another part I was gonna touch on was probably the like the worst part watching was like the media reaction to that situation happening and how that affected his life too. Right. Because uh, it's, it's just, that is the worst part probably of our world is that the media, they just want the story. Like they don't give a shit who's involved with it. 
uh, what the actual facts are, like how it happened. All they care about is that it's the thing being talked about. So let's talk about it and we'll like find our way through it. I mean, I can't imagine you. So he made a mistake. Another guy made a mistake. And that mistake turns into like people on CNN talking about how you like you're hiding your sexuality, how you're probably in on it. Like, right. Right. The escalation of just those words on a national platform is so like irresponsible for the right. all the all these people in media who like that's what they do as their job and like they just go after this kid and then like six years later like oh yeah my bad like that's it's unacceptable I mean what he's talking about it his like own personal mental journey he had to go see a therapist he didn't feel the the same way as a football player after that. Uh, you know, basically feels like the whole world's looking at him every time he enters a room. I mean, I can't imagine going from like the top dog, possible Heisman candidate, you know, right. best Notre Dame football player in probably fifty years, right? Uh, to like an ostracized person, but you're still playing football. I mean, it's just it's a complete like your identity is completely changed. Um, so you know, and then. He didn't ask for any of it. You got one person who's pretending to be another person, and then you got the massive media outlet just paying you as an idiot and potentially in on it for years. And then people making fun of you on the side, too, because no one is actually looking at you like a real person. They're just hearing one thing and then going with it. And that's, that is the absolute worst part I took out of that uh, documentary, for sure. Yeah, I think what, you know, at, while I'm watching it and at the end of it, and even while you're talking, the, f the first thing I'm thinking of is Manti Teo will never be single. I don't even know how to say this. Like one memory of Manti Teo for 90% of the population that people that know Manti Teo will only remember him as, oh, he had a fake girlfriend. Right. And yeah. that, that really sucks because his, I mean, they showed it in the documentary and also, I mean, his, his play was amazing. And, and look, once anybody gets to the NFL, it's always difficult. And, you know, Manti Teo, I don't think, I think his expectations for himself, but also as fans, as a charger fan, our expectations were really, really high for him. And it, it just didn't pan out as well as I thought. I mean, I thought he could have done a lot better, but learning the mental, you know, hurdles that he, this guy had to go over i mean the fact that he even said you know when i was playing with the all the way through high school and into college he never second guessed himself when he got to the nfl he second guessed himself yeah and you and i know as a football player once you second guess yourself you're already wrong because you're already late and and yeah. that that really sucks and and and, and you know I, I feel really bad for manti Teo. i feel you know, like just the guy got dealt the wrong card and and he had someone essentially driving his mental. I mean, I just feel so bad for someone having to go through that. I mean, yeah, you someone making a huge impact on your mental stability. And like I said, I didn't feel as if the catfish individual, I can't even remember the person's name felt very remorseful and then they did he just left and went to Samoa like okay bye you know I'm gonna yeah. run away from this 
Like I was trying to run away last time, like, oh, I'm dead. But now Manti's getting all of this publicity and I want to be a part of this again. It's just like, dude. Yeah, I can't believe that an individual would do that to another person. Like, that is, first, like, how do you have that much time, first of all? And right. second, it's like, why would you ever want to, like, break someone down like that? But the thing I'm happy about the documentary is that this story did get told in its entirety because I feel like it's changed the narrative around what happened in that right. moment. And, you know, the media wasn't as prevalent as it is now, I'd say, like, accessible and, like, there's various sources. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was kind of people just kind of run like I was talking about. They just ran with whatever they heard and was like, all right, well, that's super weird. And like just left it at that. But hearing his side of it was like you said, you feel bad for him. I think the general consensus is that, I mean, Mante Teo is one of the strongest people you could ever be really like to come through that and try to continue to be an inspiration to people. I think just shows like his character and how, you know, whatever cards he's dealt and the, brutal cards he's continued to try to find the good out of it so i i definitely have a different type of respect for him after watching that documentary i felt terrible for him that he got sucked into that but um you know like i said i mean all those untold documentaries are phenomenal so if you haven't checked out the uh this one in particular obviously if we're addressing on such a deep platform it must must be watched (laughs) <laughs> and it must be watched today. All right. Today's division that we'll be covering is near and dear to my life. Not necessarily my heart as of in recent years, but the NFC North. <sighs> Where do we want to start? Where do you want to start? I want to start with Green Bay so we can just get it out of the way. Uh, you so, know what? That's It's very funny because... The polar bear notes are starting with that. <laughs> All right. You lead us off. What do you got in Green Bay this year? All right. Well, with Green Bay, I mean, my, <laughs> you know, okay. Then here it is. I don't. <laughs> I know. Green Bay this year lives and dies with Aaron Rodgers. That's, that's my take pretty much is, you know, they're, they're wide receiver Kurt. You know, crew is not anyone that I mean. I, I I don't know much about the Packers, but I mean their crew is very. Um, who got traded to the Raiders last year or in the off season was uh, Devontae Adams. Right. I mean, there goes one of Aaron Rodgers's you know golden tickets, if you will. But Aaron Rodgers has the ability to throw it to anybody and find the open guy, which is. <laughs> That's that's what's crazy about Aaron Rodgers, and that's why I say the Packers will die or live by Aaron Rodgers this year. Um, you know, I, I think I'm just looking at a couple of my notes here, but it just with that, again, we talk about it a lot, is having a successful defense with that. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have to put a lot on his shoulders this year very much like um, Russell Wilson last year with the, with the uh, Seahawks, just having to find to do a lot of shit to figure out, to find, to find a win and defense needs to be able to control those teams out there and, and help him, him out. Um, you know, I think, like I said, that wide recruit, wide receiver crew, I don't know much about him. I just, I don't have any big names, 
now that Devontae Adams is out of there. I think – don't they have Sammy Watkins or am I, like, totally – I think they do, yeah. Um, you know, maybe relying on that that running game, uh, you know, bring back the, the trap of Lombardi. Um, but <laughs> like I said, it, the, their success is on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. And that's, that's it. <laughs> um, so this is just something that you should know about me. And there's uh, something you should know about Green Bay. Um, they're going to win the division. Okay. they're going to win the division because that's just how it goes and that's just how it fucking goes all right doesn't matter that they trade Devonta adams doesn't matter that they lost their offensive coordinator none of it matters aaron Rodgers is aaron Rodgers. he will stay healthy he will be good Oh my god! And their running backs are pretty good. Uh, look, Aaron Rodgers is at the point of his career where, like, he knows exactly what it takes to right. run an offense. Uh, he knows what to call in the situations where, if a play comes in he doesn't like on third and six, he ain't running it, and he's earned that right. Uh, their defense is always formidable. They always have these random bozos that have, like, career years. I mean, my God. I mean, literally. They – I couldn't – I couldn't pinpoint a DB they have on their team, but I know that they're going to be probably, like, 13th in the pass. That's just how it goes. Like, they they play sound. It's, it's Lambeau Field. It's – they're just better. I don't know. To, I <laughs> I have nothing to, you know, the Bears last uh, last year we go into Lambeau and we're like scoring punt returns and all this shit in the first half. And I think we're winning by like seven. And I went right there and then to go, we're going to get smoked in the second half. That's just how this is going to go. Like that's how the Bears operate. They're going to give me this false hope. And Packers are going to yawn and score six touchdowns in the second half. They're the best team. In that division, they have been for years, and they'll just be another cog in the wheel. Can they get through the playoffs? I hope not. That's the only thing I have left. So that's that. How's that? There you go. I mean, hey, that wow. A lot of anger. A lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, yeah. deep. A lot of anger. lot of wishing that was my team. That's right. <laughs> All right, I mean, do we want to jump right into the Bears? Or... Let's do the Bears. There we go. That's what I'm going to hear. So, uh, <laughs> here's the thing about the Bears. Actually, seriously, the NFL community has, like, put them as, like, one of the worst teams in the league. Right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm internally biased, but I really don't think we're that bad. Uh, I would agree with that. I don't think we're a playoff team. Whoa. Do not think we're a playoff team. <laughs> um, but, I mean, just to write us off, like, we're going to win, like, two games. I mean, I would be surprised. Last year, we were, like, garbage, and we were, uh, I don't know, like, seventh worst. You know, not great, but we're not the Jaguars here. We can win some – we can find ways to go. win games. Um, 
here's what I'm looking for as a fan this year. Because, like I said, I'm not expecting the playoffs. I don't think. Oh, okay, so you're, you know, some expectations what? at the team. Oh, no, there's no expectations here. <laughs> there's only, I just really hope that the offense is not what I watched for the last three years, which is Matt Nagy. He's gone. Ding, dong, the witch is dead. So hopefully that's done and I don't have to watch that shit anymore. I really want Justin Fields to be a guy that I can say, hey, we're bad, but he is going to be really good. Um, You know, I feel like we have a lot of young, good players. Uh, Darnell Mooney, uh, David Montgomery. Our whole O-line is young. That will be really the test to see how good they are, and that will determine how good Justin Fields is. Right. Uh, A hiccup going into training camp, Roquan Smith requesting a trade. Not a good look because they should have that should have been the first thing they should have extended was like the only guy on defense that has longevity. Right. Um, I really like our rookie DBs, uh, Kyler Gordon and something brisker. He's a safety from Penn State. I like how he plays. Um, but look, I just want a team that like plays hard and doesn't give up a lot of points, doesn't give up a lot of big plays. I just want a team that like has an identity that they're like scrappy. Because like then, that. if you're scrappy, you can win weird games and right. weird stuff can happen. But let's not go out there and just get our sh- shit tossed. You know what I mean? Like that's not fun for anybody. I gotta go to an away game this year in New England because that's just part of my tradition. <laughs> Don't make me regret it. Like, can we just? I just want to. I want a competitive team. That's all I want. Hey, that's as a. Bears fan, that's what you expect, right? A competitive team. Um, you know, the whole worst team in the NFL, that's – I don't agree with that at all. Good Lord. Um, I mean, that's just – I appreciate that. Yeah, is that an Adam Schefter <laughs> fucking comment? Like, come on. That's just – worst team in the NFL, that's – that's. Probably not. Yeah, that's obviously incorrect. Must be that came from the guy that said Max Scherzer's coming to the Padres. <laughs> um, but you know, I I I love everything you said. I mean, you have a young team. I my big thing for the Bears is I just need, and I'm really glad you said it. And I think you know a little bit of that uh, Bears juice is you know, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, if you will, on on the Bears and understanding what Peanuts talking about. But Justin Fields needs to come out and just be the guy that as bear fans like yourself, this is a guy that we can commit to. And that is going to be able to make an impact. With all our I team. Want. Right. And, you know, I, I really like what you said that you got a young team and, and, and I think the bears just, you know, I think the bears are going to be in a learning curve scenario this year. I mean, like you said, the whole, I mean, the, <laughs> we just changed it, baby. And, and every team has that. I mean, you know, just a quick segue. I mean, the Lions with Dan Campbell last year, that was all new. And, yeah. um, you know, so I think the Bears, Bears are not the worst team in the NFL. And I think Justin Fields just needs to be successful. And I think behind that young O-line, he can do it. 
And now going to a team that could be the worst team in the NFL, the uh, Detroit Lions. There we go. Who I actually love the coaching staff. I love Dan Campbell. He's a total football guy. But right. watching Hard Knocks, which we'll review next week, is all – I mean, I just see, like, a lot, a lot of young players, like, who I just don't know who they are. Like, either their first or two years. And, you know, that's a similar situation to the Bears. But, right. I mean, it makes things tough, uh, especially with a guy like Goff. I know you're, you're not a Goff guy. He's an L.A. guy playing in Detroit. That's usually not a good – match even though they do play in the dome it's just he's got to live in detroit so there's got to be something in his head he's like get me so out of trash. Here. He's so <laughs> trash um this is speaking as a bears fan like the lions that's a team i expect to beat twice like that team is wow. just always there's always they just find ways to lose i don't know what it is even the calvin johnson last second touchdown versus the bears turned out to be incomplete somehow not their fault but that's the Detroit Lions in a nutshell. That's right. Um, Jared Goff, I don't see it. I think it's one of those like placeholder quarterbacks where eventually he's got to get out of there, and then they try it again, which sucks because they had Matt Stafford and just never figured out how to win with him. So the Lions to be successful, <laughs> I feel like they have well, to find that. a way to be like a top five defensive team which they've never done if they could find a way to do that then they would kind of create some sort of identity right now i look at them and i think they just kind of go out there week to week and try to find out a new way to win not a team that comes in and it's like this is how we play this is how we're gonna win right um and i feel like that's been the lions identity for fucking years right they have been so bad pretty much our entire lives oh my god we didn't get to see the barry sanders era but they never won shit with Barry Sanders, one of the best running backs ever. I don't want to trash the Lions. I'm just saying the history speaks for itself, and uh, I don't see this year being, you know, it could be better than two wins, but maybe four wins. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, oh, man. I just – Jared Goff is trash. Done. That one's off the mark. Um, but, you know – I don't know. The Lions are such a weird, I don't know. It's just, a, like I've said, that's the place where players go to die. It's just, <laughs> that's how it is. And, you know, Dan Campbell, God bless that man. He, he, he is, he's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. To me, Dan Campbell is a more intense Pete Carroll. Like, I'm a raw, raw guy. I'm, I'm a player's coach. I'm here for you, man. And we are going to do this the Dan Campbell way, and we're going to get there. And you, get on my ass, and let's go. <laughs> and and that's Dan Campbell. And yeah. a lot of guys will respond to that. A lot of guys will say, you know, yeah, just give me the paycheck and let me roll. And I think I really like what you said. It's like it, it the the Lions always seem like, you know, guys, last week didn't really work. Let's <laughs> let's change it up and see what we can do. And so that's it. it. There's, you know, and you know what that is is it's it's inconsistency on all realms. And that's a good word. You know, it just I don't know. Dan Campbell, second year head coach. Again, 
another Lions move, like, hey, let's get Dan Campbell to fucking come in here and do it. Okay, cool. He likes to yell, and, you know, he's going to bite people's knees, but we're going to do it. Um, so I think he needs to learn. I, I'll be honest. I think he, he probably should, you know, maybe call Bill Belichick this year or something. I don't know. You know, figure out what you need to do. Um, I do love their defensive pickup though. Aiden, uh, Hutchinson. I, yeah. I, 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 I love that. I, I like him too, actually. But, and, and this is my dilemma with any team that does that is yes, Yes, we're going to have a fantastic defensive player. But if you do not have a defensive core surrounding him, he cannot be successful. And, you know, I like look at Joey Bosa and look at Nick Bosa, right? Like Joey Bosa for a long time in that Chargers defense was, in my eyes, as a personal opinion, the best player on defense. And that's a very, like, you know, and then, okay, now the defense is starting to build up and the Chargers are getting better, right? Right. Nick Bosa, it's the same scenario. I mean, I, I mean, he's, you know, he's hurt, but still, like, build that. He's your quarterback, right? Like, that's what you're doing with Aiden Hutchinson. So if you expect your defense right now to be lights out, that is not going to fucking happen. I can tell you that right now. So that, I love the move. I love, I mean, he is a guy that I hope they can keep around and really push to be to get that better Lions defense. But again, Detroit is where players go to die. I, God bless you, Dan Campbell. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff in there. Um, we're pretty much on uh, the same wavelength. Lions. Oh yeah. Uh, lastly, last but not least, the Minnesota Vikings. Um. Vikings are always an interesting team because I right. feel like they have a lot of talent always. And then uh, Kirk Cousins has like four awful games and or not four, maybe like seven. <laughs> right. But, uh, but another team where like it, a lot of their results fall on the quarterback's uh, shoulders, which like we, like I've been saying, like, yes, it's the easiest thing to say, but I guarantee if you talk to any Vikings fan, I know, a good amount of them. They are all out on Kirk Cousins. They've been out. They don't like him. They don't think he can win. He's got some weird Monday Night Football stat or something where like he's 0-10 in primetime games or something like that. I don't like him. I think he's a formidable... I think he plays the best in like the first quarter. Um, I think that's kind of his MO. He's like, I'm going to come out. I'm going to have a great game. And sometimes he does. And you're like, wow, Kirk Cousins. And then the game, you know, has four quarters. So he, you know, throws a pick here, red zone pick, misses Justin Jefferson by a mile. It's like he gets like, confused. Like, so he, he can't put it all together. Right. If he can put it all together, he would be on the same, uh, like, stat line as Rodgers does. Because Rodgers puts together a fucking whole game. You know, you got to be in for four quarters. With Kirk Cousins, I feel like you can figure out like one or two things he's trying to do, and if you figure it out, if you stop it, he right. just doesn't adjust at all. Right. Um, Justin Jefferson is an absolute dog, so that's that's a big big thing that they got going. Right. Um, because he's had a, got you know, a couple of years in the league now where 
you know, he's comfortable. He wants to be the best. He wants to contend for like the best uh, receiver in the NFL. Get that dude the ball. Uh, Delvin Cook, if he can freaking stay healthy, that'll help out Kirk Cousins a lot. But he gets hurt every year because I mean, being a running back in the NFL is brutal. Right. So they have pieces. Absolutely, they have pieces. They have a lot of great players. Uh, defensively, they're always uh sound. I would say. Uh, usually like top ten in some category. It's been the run for a long time. Um, but you know they're they're always like in the wild card chase, you know, never truly get in there. Uh, they're a weird team. I was another team where the Bears, when they go up against the Vikings, I'm like, we could beat the Vikings. It's pretty much the Vikings and the Lions where I'm trying to eke out some W's for my team. Hey, that's um, how you do it. For them to be successful, I think, well, they got a new coach, Kevin O'Connell, LCC grad, shout out to my hometown. Uh-huh. Um, and San Diego State, but so you know maybe that offense is catered more to what Kirk Cousins does, which is sling it. I guess you would call him a sling. He's not going to get out there and uh, run it. No. So he already. I mean, I I would take a lot more shots to Justin Jefferson this year if I was them, and you know, uh, hopefully by doing that you open up some other you know wide receiver two, wide receiver three, the tight end game. Uh, become an offense like that, and then you could, uh, you know, become something. But uh, we'll see a lot week one because they take on the Packers, who we talked very highly of, and I've, you know, admitted defeat already. <laughs> but that's always an interesting one is the Vikings matching up with the Packers at home. See what you can do there. So, I, uh, I talk a lot of shit on the Vikings, but – I, I I don't know. I think this new coaching staff, especially, you know, having the Rams OC, I think is, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that has really pivoted my mindset for the Vikings this year. Look, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think Kirk Cousins is, I don't know why the Vikings like him so much, like the organization, the fans, I mean, you know, they just want to like him a lot. Right. Um, but, you know, with that being said, I, I, I do agree. I think this offense might be something that's new. And, I mean, Zimmerman is a defensive-minded coach. So, you know, all right, well, we'll work on the offense tomorrow. You know, like – He's gone. Of, yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, previous years of the Vikings, you know, maybe it's – maybe this is their time to turn it. And – you know, I wrote down like diamond in the rough question mark. I, I feel like that's the Vikings. Um, I, I think they have a lot of pieces. I think if they can come together, I think if Kirk Cousins can just fucking figure out four quarters of football, I think they can be successful. <laughs> and what really, this just, this just blows my mind. This is a total side topic with, with the NFL is as a, as a team, as an owner of a team, I'm going to invest millions and millions, bajillions of dollars in a brand new stadium. And you have Kirk Cousins as your fucking quarterback. I, I don't understand that. Like as a fan base. Yeah. You know, like I want to, I want to make the place for my fans, but then you have the audacity to keep Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. What the fuck are you thinking? Insanity. Right. Like you have, 
one of the nicest stadiums in the NFL, and you got to deal with that bullshit. I I don't understand. That. It's so, tough. it's a tough product. It's a tough product. Right. I mean, it's like um, what's his name? Matt Ryan for the Fal uh for Atlanta, the Falcons. Like you have the coolest cool. fucking stadium in the world, and Matty Ice is your quarterback. Like, <laughs> come on, man. The thing <laughs> fucking opens up, and I don't know. It's just I. I Moves like that in the NFL is just so confusing. But I digress. Back to the Vikings. Diamond in the rough. Kirk Cousins, figure it out, and you guys might be successful. I think their peak is like a wild card win, and then they're out. That's right. what I – that's like the Vikings every year. But, all right, let's give our top four. I'll do mine first. Packers, one. Nice. Eh. Vikings two, Bears three, and Lions four. I think that's, you know, we're better than the Lions. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> exactly what I wrote. Oh. I wrote Bears at the bottom, and I go, fuck that. Switch it up. So I wrote it again. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We could very much. I mean, you and I down. have the exact same, exact same yeah. view on that division. I mean, really, all it is is, like, the Packers are – guaranteed probably go six and oh maybe five and one in the division and the rest is just like that right we'll see what happens right and that's kind of what those teams are but uh, the only team that could really take a step up is the vikings like if you guys actually want to like do something yeah do something like you you have the players to do it it's like right but okay for episode 19 we went over the tatis apology and then into some little semantics about the San Diego fan base, Padre fan base, and the inevitable booing of Eric Cosmer, which I disagree with. I disagree with fully. So if you disagree with me, let me know. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> then we covered uh, Untold, which is on Netflix, The Girlfriend That Didn't Exist, Manti Teo, um, our feelings toward that, and uh, it's kind of how that whole deal freaking developed. And then the NFC North, it's a Packers division to lose once again. Aaron Rodgers did not leave. Why didn't he leave? He should have gone anywhere else. Should have gone <laughs> hiking with Miles Teller, do shrooms in the desert. Like, get out of my world. Get out. But no, I have to deal with him two more times. He's going to beat the Bears two more times. Absolutely loves beating them in Chicago, by the way. We don't have to get into it, but... It's just, you can see in the space, like the whole crowd's jeering at him, trying to get something out of him, and he's throwing seven touchdowns. And that's just, <laughs> that's just how my life's been since he came into the league. So that's about it for me. What do you got? Uh, you got anything to add to the group? I'm... Good people of sports banter. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, I think I find it very, I find it interesting that you and I have the exact same breakdown for, uh, you know, that division, Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions. I mean, like you said, it's a Packers division to, to lose. Uh, Manti Teo, you know, man, uh, God bless you. Hope you you went through a lot of shit, and you know, you 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 tried your hardest, and I commend you to that. And I know, as a Charger fan, I got to see him play, which was really cool. So, um, and then you know. Again, Tatis from my side, from the Polar Bears side, I'm a little hesitant, but 
Come on. The comeback. The comeback. I, we got room for something. We can't score runs, so let's do something. I know. Let's not. That'll be another <laughs> forty-five minutes of just. Oh man. That's right, man. But hey, you know, I, I appreciate the apology as a fan. I, I can always appreciate someone standing up and you know saying I did wrong. I'm just a little remorseful of being able to pull back. But you know, he's a young guy. Beautiful. And for episode nineteen. We out. See ya.